We're so glad to have you guys uh, here with us tonight in this space. My, my name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and it's so good to be in this space with you tonight. Last night around this time, I was battling 2.9 million people to get my kids 50 feet away from Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And I want to say that it was worth it. It was worth it for our family. Uh, the, the, the fight and the sea of humanity did not make me love people more. I'm just going to leave it at that. Like, we worked hard to get there, and a couple of us from Soul City Church went down there. And while there was a mob of people, and, and, and it was all kind of fun and good, to, to like, you know, just to see a, a, a mediocre parade at best, for those of you who are there, it is so much better tonight to be in this space with you. Like, while that was really fun, big crowd, lots of people, all that kind of stuff, I would much rather be in this space with you here tonight. Because for whatever reason, we are here for a similar uh, thing that has drawn us. All of us from different places and all of us in different ways are here because we want to know who this God is that has set our life into motion and has created us for more, more than we see around us, more than we even expect of ourselves. We're here for that God. Now, you may not have language for that, and you may be like, dude, the God thing still trips me up. That's okay. You're here, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now than in this space with you. And it's exciting to see this little church, we're just three weeks old, to see how God is already using it to impact and shape people's lives and to have an impact on this city. It was a trip for me last week to walk out to the cafe, and we have this like cafe space, and all this cafe stuff has been donated to us. We have this amazing fridge, and I never tripped out on fridges before, but I'm excited about this fridge that we have. And like we have pastries and coffee, all this stuff's been donated. And I walk out there, and there's all these people just sitting around having pastries and coffee and talking, and I'm like, who told you to do this? Like how did you, and because it's not a really hard thing to have coffee and pastries, but like people just are sort of figuring out this church. And I love that. I love that people are coming into this space and finding this church in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different days throughout the week and saying, you know what? God is drawing me here and I want to be a part of what he's doing. And I do too. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do tonight and throughout the course of this week. You know, the next few moments, what we're going to do is something we do here every week at Soul City Church is we have a moment where we just want to say thank you to God. And we do that lots of different ways. A lot of people serving around here, a lot of people engaged and doing all kinds of stuff throughout the week to be a part of this church and a part of what God's doing. But one of the ways we do that when we gather together is we just say thanks to God with our resources. We say thanks to God with our finances. And I know the money thing and the church thing can get weird. We want to talk about this as openly and honestly as possible. We don't ever want it to be weird around here. Here's simply why we do this. It's not so that we can like fatten our bank account here as a church. That's not what we're about. If you look at how we spend our money, it's not on us. It's about resourcing this neighborhood and resourcing the city so that they can have a transformational relationship with Jesus. The reason we do this primarily is so that you can experience the joy and the risk and the trust that comes when you say, okay, God, I believe everything in my life is from you, and I want to say thanks. You may not have all you think you want, but you have more than you need, right? We know that. And so this is one of the ways that we do that. We just say thanks to God. We do it online. A lot of people give online. In a moment, we're going to take a second where we receive, a, you know, what we call an offering around here. You can also do it through the mail. Like, again, if you're prone to being Amish, you can put it in an envelope and mail it or send it through Carrier Pigeon. It doesn't matter. The point primarily is this, is that you would cross the line to say, you know what, God, I'm going to take a risk and trust you a little bit more. And money is like one of our last holdouts, isn't it? And so to say, you know what, God, I believe that you've already given me all that I need. That's why we do that. So in a little bit, we're going to do that 
Uh, and so I want, for those of you who came ready to do that, to be prepared to do that. But before we do, I want to let you know about a few things that are going on around Soul City Church so you can take some right next steps. And one of the things that's most exciting about our church right now, you don't really get to see, but it's happening right now. In fact, my wife's a part of it right now. She's normally up here and doing stuff, but Jeannie's up teaching our two-year-old class for Soul City Kids tonight, and we have an amazing kids thing going on here at Soul City Church. And so I wanted to bring up uh, Katie Dugleby, who's the director of Soul City Kids, to tell you just a little bit about that. Yeah, it's appropriate. It's appropriate to clap for Katie. And so just to give you a snapshot of Soul City Kids and how you can actually be a part of that. Well, uh, like Jared said, I'm Katie, and I lead uh, Soul, Soul City Kids. And uh, just this week, I was having lunch with one of our volunteers. Her name is Sarah. And uh, she has a baby. He's about 10 months old. And she was telling me how, you know, she wants for her son to have an incredible experience as he grows up. And she sees herself, she told me, she's like, I see myself as a part of that equation and building that for my son and for the other kids of Soul City. And uh, that just proved to me that, that she gets it. She gets it that great kids' ministries don't just happen. Um, they need people, men and women, who are willing to lead the next generation. And so uh, I would love to invite you uh, to be part of Soul City Kids. In your chair in front of you, there's a little card that looks, looks like this. It says, how can you be a gift um, to Soul City Kids? And I would love for you guys to maybe think about it, pray about it. Um, but we have tons of ways you can get involved, from being a consistent um, server in Soul City Kids to maybe just, you know, maybe it's just a holiday weekend. We have a lot of our leaders, our college students, who go home to mom and dad for the holidays. And so um, we would love some extra hands um, to be a part of, of pulling off some of these cool things. We have also a, a couple events. Um, we're going to have a big movie night here, right in this room, for families to come watch the Polar Express and eat popcorn and sip hot cocoa. So uh, if, if you're going to be in town, if you want to be a part of that, we would love, love, love to have you get involved. Just fill out this card, and I'll be out in the lobby after service, and just come ask me any questions that you have. Awesome. We thank Katie for uh, <laughs> all that she does around here at Soul City. Thank you, Katie. Uh, she mentioned that card, you know, in a little bit when we receive the offering, you can just drop that in there. We really would love for you to partner with us uh, because you get to see the church from a whole different perspective when you're with kids and seeing them get it. And we love it. Our kids, we have two kids that are part of Soul City Kids, and we love what God is doing, what Katie and her team are doing there. So you could be a part of that. So you can fill that out and drop that off in the little offering buckets when they come by in a little bit. And then just the next step I want to tell you about is for Christmas. Now, this is going to be our first Christmas together. We're very excited about our first Christmas and all the traditions and all the kind of fun things that come with that. So for our church, this is our first Christmas together. And so there's a couple ways that we want to help you take some next steps around here. And it's really simple. It's share, serve, and start. So that's really easy. I want you to say those with me. Share, serve, and start. Good. See, that's awesome. Good. All right, so uh, share, serve, and start. Let me explain what I mean around our first Christmas and how we can do that together. First, share. Uh, we have an opportunity coming up here in a few weeks to have what we're calling Soul, S-O-L-E, City Christmas Store. And we are actually doing partnership with a guy who's a part of our church, Clayton, and a foundation that he leads along with Converse and the Chicago Bulls and some other organizations here in the city to offer up a Christmas store for families in our neighborhood that are in need this Christmas. And it's a really exciting thing. One of the ways that we're going to be able to do that, though, is by your participation. And so we're going to be receiving winter coats, gloves, and scarves for the next few weeks. So you're going to be hearing more and more details about it. But that's one of the ways you can be a part of our first Christmas, is you can provide a coat and some gloves and a scarf 
for people here in the city, in our neighborhood, who are in need. Now, for those of you who haven't lived in Chicago long, we have this thing here called winter. And it's real, and it's mean, and it's personal. And so for those of you who know, those of you who know, we have an opportunity right now to be a huge uh, gift to our neighborhood. And one of the ways you can do that is to share. And so you're going to be getting more details about that, how you can get involved with our Soul City Christmas store coming up uh, in the weekend of December 17th and 18th. We would love for you to be a part of that. But that's one of the ways you can take a next step around here. The next way is you can serve. And uh, uh, that's right there. You can see December 17th and 18th is our Soul City Christmas store. It is going to be a blowout. We're using the warehouse in the next space over to set up that whole store. We're going to have a kid's space in here that Katie and her team are leading. We really would love for you to be a part of that. And then as Katie mentioned, December 19th, uh, Soul City Kids and First Impressions are going to need some folks to fill in, to step in, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time moving forward, it's something you begin to do around here as you discover your gifts and abilities that God's given you. So you can share coat, gloves, and scarves. You can serve around here, either in Soul City Kids, like Katie mentioned, or our First Impressions team. And the next is start. Now, we are at a very fun phase right now as a church because we are starting. Like, this is it. You only get to start once, and so we are in the process of starting. And so I know that many of you uh, tend to give uh, towards the year end. And we have some things going on in our church with construction. If you see every week you come here, there's another wall that's been torn down. Eventually, I think it's just going to be an open pavilion. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work in winter, but we're working on the details of that. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be receiving um, a gift, a year-end gift for our church that's going to fund not just construction here in the space, but a lot of the stuff that we do here in the city as our church continues to grow and God starts this new church in the city. And so financially, we're going to ask you to partner with Soul City Church in a pretty big way. For some of you, in the biggest way you maybe ever have in your life. But we believe that God does something in our hearts when we trust Him with our finances. So you can share, you can serve, and you can start. We're going to be telling you a lot more about that, but we want to get that on your radar screen because believe it or not, Christmas is right around the corner. I mean, this week is Thanksgiving. Hello? It's like way too fast, okay? So we want you to be informed so you can take the right next steps. Cool? Awesome. So what we're going to do now is we're going to receive our offering. Those of you who came ready to give, you know exactly what to do. For those of us who call God our Father, this church our home, we want you to give joyfully and to receive from God His, His joy that He has for you. And we're going to sing and worship together, and then in a little bit we're going to open up God's Word. But let me pray for us as we move into that time. God, thank you for what you are doing, and we get to be a part of what you are doing. And I know in this room, God, I know that so many people here are brand new and never been to this church before. Some have never even been to a church before. And yet it's undeniable to see that you are up to something, God. And we want to be a part of it. And so God, take our gifts, take our offering, God. Take the resources, the time and talents that you've given to us. We want to give back to you now. God, we do it with our finances, we do it with our abilities, and we do it with our voices, God, as we say to you, thank you, God, for who you are, and thank you, God, for who you've created us to be and transforming a relationship with you. God, we are so grateful, and we want to understand more what that means for our lives and for our city. We pray this in your name. Amen. It's so fun to be a part, and I mean fun, and that's really hard work, but it's really fun, thanks, Dan, to be a part of what God's doing here and uh, it was just a cool snapshot yesterday that we had to see uh, what it means to be a part of the heart of God in, this city, in the heart of this city. And uh, yesterday morning, uh, a bunch of us here from Soul City Church got together and went over to Malnati's Pizza Warehouse. How many of you guys like Malnati's Pizza? It's like, yeah. It's, it's what and, so, uh, and so we all went up there and joined with their team, and we packed 3,500 tons of Thanksgiving food 
for families in our city who are in need. And then we drove it to one of our other partners, Breakthrough Urban Ministries. And we've done a lot to partner with Breakthrough Urban Ministries. The chairs you're sitting in are part of that partnership with Breakthrough Urban Ministries. And we were able to give to that ministry and serve lunch and be able to give out to families there that are connected to their ministry uh, Thanksgiving meals, some of whom, honestly, all of whom, would not have the resources to be able to afford a Thanksgiving meal. The meal that many of us will take for granted, right? We're supposed to be thankful for it, and many of us will be mad because mom didn't make the green bean casserole, right? (laughs) And here we were, we got to be a part and let God wreck our hearts to look more like his heart as we partnered with a great company and restaurant here in the city and to partner with one of our great strategic partners here in the city when it comes to uh, compassion and justice breakthrough and to see our little church play a little part in the big thing that God is doing here in the city was so cool to see. And thank you for those of you who were part of that yesterday. And there are going to be a lot more opportunities like that because it's defining what God is doing in our church, that we be a church better seven days a week instead of just one. That we experience God in different ways on different days as opposed to just a couple hours on Sunday. It was just cool to see that in person. And last week, if you were here, we talked about this whole idea of what it means to to have a relationship, a transforming relationship with an extraordinary God, that God is no ordinary God, that he is greater than and better than anything we could possibly imagine. He's extraordinarily good and extraordinarily great at the same time. And many of us prayed this last week, big prayers to God, to a God who can and to a God who cares. And it was really cool to be a part of that prayer process with our whole community as those of us who did that. And this week what we're going to look at is what it means to have no ordinary relationships, to truly have an extraordinary relationship. Because all of us walked into this room with the same kind of basic assumptions that none of us wants to do our life alone. We want to have deep and meaningful and significant relationships. But the problem is so few of us have those or even know how to build those. Right? I think it's safe to assume all of us want to have significant, meaningful, you know, like meaningful, life-giving relationships. True? That's not like a crazy thought, right? The problem is that so few of us have them, and even fewer still know how to build those types of relationships, and yet all of us want those. And the crazy thing is, is the older you get, the harder it gets. Isn't that true? As the older you get, you think you're wiser, more mature, you know, you've kind of figured things out in the world. It's not as easy as it was in second grade to make friends. It's like in second grade, it's like, basically, do you like G.I. Joe guys? I like G.I. Joe guys. We're best friends. Like, and that's going to last a long time until, like, you know, you beat me at Foursquare, and then we're going to have to, like, def- you know, like, define the relationship here. But it's pretty easy, right? Because all of your elementary school years, you're thrown into the same context. You're kind of locked into the same classroom. You're, gonna, you're bound to make friends. But then as you're an adult and you move into a big city with, I don't know, 2.9 million people around you, it gets harder, doesn't it? It's not as easy to make friends. It can feel even awkward at times. It can feel like dating sometimes. It's like, how do I ask this person to be my friend without it sounding really weird? Right? And I was having lunch with a guy this last week. He's like, dude, he just moved to the city a couple months ago. He's like, I don't know where to start. It's a big city. There's so many people, and yet I don't even know where to start to even build like baseline level friendships. We all want that. It's not as easy as when we were kids. I look at my son, Elijah, he's five years old. Within a week of starting his preschool this last year, he already had a best friend, David. It was done. I don't know exactly what it was, whether it was a mutual love of a Batman or a Star Wars. I'm not exactly sure what the terms were for their relationship, but that's a rock-solid relationship that the two of them have, right? I look at our daughter, Gigi, and she's still trying to figure out the whole friend. See, she, her problem is she's a diva, and so that kind of like 
preempts any relationship she'd have because she walks into it assuming that she's better than that person. <laughs> I'm serious. She's two, but I'm serious. I see it in her. I see it. And, uh, and so, like, like, she's a trip because she kind of does life on sort of her own terms. And she's two right now, and she's, f- like, squarely in the phase of, I want to do it myself. I want to do it myself. And I want to show you just, this is just within this last few days. These are from my phone. We took two pictures of Gigi. And on the left is her going into, her new thing is going into Jeannie's drawer and taking everything out that Jeannie owns and then dressing herself. And so on the left, that's her doing it all. Mommy, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to put this on myself. She's very clear about that. I want to do it. Her other big thing she says now is, I want some privacy. (laughs) She's going to be asking for her green room any day now. I can just tell, like... But then on the right, she went through and got all of Jeannie's pink things and, and wore her little tiara and was just walking around our house, just owning it, just owning our house. And I told her, she looks like the pink pope in that picture. And that, like, it's a very, you know, do, Ryan, am I right? And she just kind of walks around because, like, she, her whole big thing right now is, I want to do it myself. I want to do it my way. I want to do it myself. I want to do it my way. Everything, putting on those clothes, putting on her jacket, putting on her shoes. We get in the car, true story. We get in the car, I want to drive. I'm like, and she's a good driver. I'm not going to lie. She's a very good driver. But I'm like, I think there's laws against this. You know, you can't even reach the pedals. You know, she just wants to do it all herself. And that's a very normal thing. Each of us had to go through that phase, whether you remember it or not. When we were kids, we all went through our little independent thing, right? And that's actually a very healthy thing. You learn how to do life on your own. Like, that's a parent's job. I'm in this really weird tension now because I'm a parent, and I'm having to help my child become independent because if I don't, they're going to be spoiled brats, right? So I have to help them become independent. But at the same time, as a parent, I know now as an adult that it's that very same independence that somehow keeps us from having extraordinary relationships. See, I kind of know sort of how this thing plays out, because I've seen it in my own life, is that we learn early on that we are to be self-dependent and self-reliant. And there's strength in that, right? Because when you're a kid, you learn that pretty quickly. You, that is ingrained in you, taught in you. You either were taught by your parents or you picked it up somewhere along the way, that if you want to get something, you have to do it. You have to be independent. It's up to you. And so if you want to get good grades, you have to study. Or in my case, you have to get a lot of tutors, right? I went through four algebra tutors in one year, and that is the truth. I won't even tell you what year of high school I was taking algebra. I was way behind, okay? If you want to get great, that's what you have to do. If you want to get into a good school, guess what? You have to fill out the paperwork and the application. Like if your parents filled out your college application for you, we've got counselors in the back to help you deal with that, right? Because you've got to decide that. You have to work that out. If you want to get a good job, you have to put together a really great resume, right? Or at least a resume. Like, you you know, there are things that only you can do. And so we learn early on, and we build these skills for life that we have to be independent. And for a lot of things in life, that actually works. The crazy thing is, though, when it comes to relationships, that's not something that we can do all by ourselves. Just like Gigi loves to do, my daughter loves to do everything all by herself right now, relationships are one of those really weird things in life that you cannot do all by yourself. No matter how self-willed, self-determined, and strong you are, you cannot make someone like you. Just ask a stalker. They'll tell you. You can't do that. And so it's our relationships that we have that bring in this very interesting dynamic where our independence meets with needing other people. And the older we get, the harder it gets. The harder it gets. And the crazy thing is that in our world right now, we have never historically, in the history of our planet, we've never been more connected than we are right now. It's kind of crazy if you stop and think about it. Like, how many of you, just by show of hands, have a Facebook account? At least you have one, whether you're active or not. Yeah, 
why won't you friend me? Okay, so <laughs> there's so many of us, right? I think there's something like 11.4 billion people on Facebook right now. There's people on other planets that are on Facebook that you don't even know about right now. Everyone's on Facebook, right? Everyone's connected. Everyone's sort of friending each other and making friends. And for a while there, we were poking each other, and that was just really weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm glad they got rid of that, right? So there's that. And then on Twitter, there's uh, right now, there's 107, uh, 107 million people on Twitter. Now, how many of you have a Twitter account? Just by raising your hand. Okay, so less, fewer of you. Okay, 107 million people connected just on that platform alone. Then that says nothing about for the way that we have email exchanges with each other, the way that we text each other, some of us while driving, the way that we instant message each other. We are constantly connected, and yet all of the research comes back to show that we continue to suffer from a lack of deep, significant, meaningful relationships. So it gets harder the older we get, and in a world that's more connected than ever before, we still find ourselves lonely. In fact, you may have even walked into this space tonight feeling very lonely or alone. How is it that we can live in a city of 2.9 million people and still feel so alone? Or have a um, life full of relationships, but very few life-giving relationships. So there's something that's not right here. Because there's an ache that each of us feels somewhere deep in our gut, right close, like next to the soul, that longs for more. Not more relationships, because we have enough of those, but better relationships, deeper relationships, the kind of relationships that God actually designed and desires for you to have. Every one of us, no matter where you're at in the God thing, I, my hunch is if we were to raise a hand and say, yep, I want that. I, want, I desire that in my life, but I don't know how to get it or I don't see it in the landscape. So what we're going to do for the next few moments is we're going to open up God's word and we're going to look at how is it that God has actually wired you for relationships. And while you cannot make them happen on your own, what is it that you and I can do to have extraordinary relationships like God designed and desires you to have? So if you have a Bible, please open it up to Genesis chapter 1. Like, we are going old school, like the oldest old school, all the way to the left, okay? Genesis chapter 1. We say this every week. If you don't have a Bible, come talk to us. We want you to have a Bible. We feel like if you're going to have a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible is a major part of that, okay? So if you don't have a Bible, talk to us. We know people, okay? We'll get you a Bible. If you do have a Bible, open to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at something that you may have missed before if you've read the creation account and how it is that we sort of got here. What, what, what sort of happened? Let me just give you a summary of what happens in the creation account. God creates everything. That's basically it. That's kind of the story of it, but there's a little more detail in that. God goes on to create light and dark, heavens and earth. He creates land and sea. He's creating the whole world. If you've read this, he does it in six days. Now, whether that's a real six days or not, that's not even what we're going to get into tonight. We're going to look at what comes just after that. So God creates everything, and God actually creates us. And I think it's in that moment that we have maybe potentially missed something that reveals a truth of who God is and who he's created us to be. So if you have a Bible, Genesis 1, 26, and this is what it says. I want to put it up on the screen so that you can see it. Then God said, let, and what's the word there? Us. So I'm not sure if there's three of you out here or if you're all asleep. So let's try that again. God said, let us. Make human beings in our image, in 
our likeness. Now, this may be something you've caught before, or maybe this is something you've rushed right past. There's something very interesting here that God starts by saying when he creates human beings, the first person being Adam, let us create people in our image. So what we see there, instead of it's just sort of God creating people, that there is a backstory here, that there is a relationship that exists before our relationship with God. It's a relationship that God has amongst himself. And the idea here is a pretty deeply theological one called the Trinity. Now, this is some, some big stuff. We're going to be unpacking more of this this spring, of what it means to understand sort of this nature of God, that he is three in one, that there is an hour here. There's an us here before there's us, that we're actually created from the relationship of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three distinct natures, uh, characteristics, attributes, persons of God. And many people have written, literally, like have torn down rainforest to write books about this unique aspect of who God is, that he is three in one, that there's an hour, that there's an us to who God is. Right? And some people have tried to boil it down and make it really simple. Like some people have said, like, you have to imagine God's like water, okay? Because it's like three elements. It's like liquid, but it could also be steam, but it could also be ice. They're not maybe as high as that when they say it, but, <laughs> but they've tried, because they're trying to help, right? Or some people say, he's like an egg. You just have to imagine God like an egg, you know, because there's like the shell, but then there's the white, and there's the yellow part. Again, not all my theology comes from Keanu Reeves, but the point is, <laughs> people try to help us understand that God is three in one, that there's a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. Now, while we cannot and will not ever comprehend in this lifetime the depth of that and we probably won't even fully understand it if we're you know if you're in like relationship with God and you are in heaven for eternity I don't even think we'll still grasp the depth of that so let's try and understand it a little bit more on the language that God intended for us and that is that there is a relationship that exists before there is us there is an us there is a relationship that exists between God the Father God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it is from that relationship that we are created. That's very, very, very important. That you are created from relationship for relationship. You are created from relationship for relationship. Now, I think we would all sort of nod our head and go, yep, okay, that, that sort of makes sense. But something really interesting pops up here. If you keep reading on in the creation account, if you get to Genesis chapter 2, God creates everything, everything, and then he steps back and sees that Adam is alone. Even though that there's a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, with Adam, God looks after everything he created and saying that it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He looks at Adam alone and says that it's what? It's not good. Okay, so he, very good that Adam is created, and again, God rests. But then we come into the account where God goes, wait a second. It's actually not good for him to be alone. Genesis 2, 18 says these words. It is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay, so this is really interesting. God creates everything. He creates Adam out of the relationship of the Trinity, for relationship with him. And then we see God's not surprised by this, but God notices, God sees what he already knows is that it's not good for Adam to be alone. 
As much as my daughter wants to do it by herself, all by myself, all by myself, I want to do it, God looks at us, God looks at Adam and says, no, wait a second, it is not good for you to do it alone. And so the text says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, this is where we're going to start unpacking some stuff here tonight. If you thought the Trinity was complicated, the scarcity of clarity in those words has filled many dialogues, debates, and conversations. What does it mean that God creates a helper suitable for Adam? This is really important. We're, now, again, we're going to get really deep into this, and then we're going to get really, really practical with what this means. What does it mean? for there to be a helper suitable. Some believe that what God is creating here is the model for the relationship between men and women. That God is saying, no, this is all about marriage, right? And that's a very valid point. I think there is truth in that, that God is showing the relationship that a man and a woman have, that that is for marriage. The only problem, if that was the only point, then guess who failed that during his time here on earth? Jesus, because he was never married. So it has to be more than just about marriage. So some people have taken, okay, well, maybe it's not only about marriage. Some people have also said that word helper, that's the one that's kind of loaded for a lot of people. What does that really mean, that the woman is to be a helper suitable for the man? And so many people have taken that idea and said, well, it kind of means this, that the, the, the woman came after the man, and because God said that he's going to make a helper, that she is somehow less than the man. Again, we're going deep, folks. We're going to get out of this in a minute, but we're going to go deep for a minute. And so there have been many people who've said, you know, that must be what it means, that God is creating a woman to be a helper less than the man to accomplish all the work that the man has been set out to do. And that, there's a lot of folks that come on and say, you know what, that, that is what this is about. Because she came second, that she is then second to the man. But if you were to follow that logic all the way out, that means that men are second to fish, and birds, and kitties, and all kinds of things, right? Because man was created when? After all of those things, right? So if the only logic is what Eve came second, so she must be subservient to the man, well then, that must mean that men are less than or subservient to cats and animals and dogs. Now, if you've spent significant time with men, it's a valid argument. (laughs) There's some merit to it, at least on the, you know, sort of mental capacity of men, and emotional capacity of men. But there has to be more to it than that. And honestly, a lot of it comes down to understanding this word that for many people has, has caused a lot of, of de- debate and division. And it's the word helper. And, and the word literally translates to uh, ezer or ezer, depending on how you want to pronounce it. This ancient Hebrew word that actually gets used a lot throughout the Bible. That word helper is very significant and very important. Because what God is saying here is he is creating a helper, an ezer, an ezer, a helper suitable for Adam. Now, what that word literally translates to mean is partner, companion, deliverer. And interestingly enough, that word ezer, or ezer, depending on how you want to say it, you know, partner, companion, deliverer, do you know who it is most commonly referred to throughout the Old Testament, that word, that attribute is given to? God, interestingly enough. That God is our ultimate deliverer, our ultimate relationship. So this is a word that for many people sort of tripped them up, but I don't think it needs to get as complicated as some have made it to be. 
that God did not, in fact, create Eve to be a sort of hired hand to Adam, but she created, or he created Eve to be a partner, a companion, someone to do life with. Again, not just in the context. I do not believe that this is just about marriage, because if it were, then Jesus missed it. I believe there's something much deeper, that as Adam and Eve were created from the relationship of the Trinity, that they were actually created for relationship with God and with each other, to be a companion, to be a partner, to be a deliverer. And those are some heavy words, but they have big implications for our lives. That God actually has created you for more than just ordinary surface relationships. That he has actually created you to be a partner, a companion, a deliverer to others. That you are somehow intended to be that, as God is that for us, as even Adam were that for each other, you are actually intended to be that for others and others for you. So there is deep and profound meaning behind this idea that you are actually created from relationship for relationship, to be a companion, to be a partner, not just in the context of marriage, in the context of life. This is some pretty big and deep stuff that if you continue to roll it out throughout the course of the Bible, you see folks who get it right and people who get it terribly wrong. And one of the best places to actually look at someone who gets this right is to the life of Jesus, to see what type of friend and companion and partner he was to those around him. And to learn what it means to have that level of relationship, because that is no ordinary relationship. That is not an ordinary relationship. Most of our relationships, we would not describe with those words, would we? That we have friends who are partners, companions, even deliverers for us in the work and the weight of life. So to help us kind of break it down a little bit more, let's just take a second and look at what is sort of ordinary when it comes to our relationships and actually what God has intended, designed, desires for you to have when it comes to extraordinary relationships. And so we're going to put a few of these up on the screen, but all of these come from uh, basic like, concepts and truths that come from the life of Jesus and from the Bible. L- let's look, and you kind of like, I don't know if you take notes, all right? So we're going to kind of work through this right now. I don't know if you take notes or if that's your thing or not. Last week, my parents were here, and my dad was telling me afterwards, he's like, I was so surprised because someone in front of me like took out a pen and paper and started taking notes. And I don't know if that's commentary on you or if that's my dad telling me he didn't think I'm that interesting that someone should take notes. <laughs> I don't know if you're a note-taking person, but this actually might be really helpful for you to do an assessment of the relationships in your life to determine, am I living at that level of relationship that God has intended me for, or am I settling for something on the surface, something less than? Look, ordinary relationships in our life, tell me if this is true of your life, tend to keep it on the surface. Is that true? How's your week? What's happening? How are you doing? What's up? Did you catch the game? I mean, that's all fine and good, but that's, they tend to sort of keep it that way. Extraordinary relationships, however, ask better questions. They ask better questions than just, How's it going? What do you do? Those are all fine and good. Extraordinary relationships are the type of relationships with the type of people who ask better, more thoughtful questions than that. Ordinary relationships are only interested in the present. How was your week? How was your weekend? How are you doing? Like, that's all good. Fine and good. But if you want to be an extraordinary friend and have extraordinary relationships, you're going to be someone who's interested in the whole story. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. 
what it means to know and care about and actually be involved in the whole story of someone's life. Ordinary relationships are typically self-motivated. Is that true? It's sort of like this person makes me happy. They make me laugh because work is awful and boring. And I like this person because they make me laugh. Or this person is kind of cool because, you know, I can go and hang out with them and they like the same music I like. Lots of times they're very self-motivated. Extraordinary relationships are for the betterment of both. That both of you are mutually committed to the other's best. And just, just pause there. How many relationships in your world right now have that level of expectation for each other? That you are both committed to the betterment of each other. Ordinary relationships happen. Lots of times we don't know where they come from. They just sort of happen. Extraordinary relationships are intentional. They're actually built. Let's keep moving. Ordinary relationships cause us to feel, cause us, let's just say us there, cause us to feel less lonely, right? So you can have a very busy social calendar. You can have sort of a lot of people in your life or contacts that you can hook up, you know, like connect with or hang out with. But extraordinary relationships are actually the relationships that cause us to grow. That because of the two of you being friends or the group of you that are friends, you are actually growing, as we say around here, having a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. That growth is normal in your relationship. Ordinary relationships brush off or break down with conflict. Now, just quick, like we're not going to do a show of hands. How many of you have had a friend, you had a great friend, something came up, as it always does in life, and you haven't spoken with them for years? Now, full disclosure, I have a very good friend that I grew up with, very close. I don't even exactly know what happened, but it's been about a year and a half since we've spoken. And God has been working and working on my heart this last couple weeks to go, what happened? How have you settled for just sort of an ordinary thing where something came up and now it either breaks down or maybe you're in a relationship where you just kind of brush it off. You don't deal with it. You just kind of, even though that person is really driving you crazy or they did something that really, really hurt you or you've done something that really hurt them, you just try and brush it off and just kind of keep moving. Distract them. Extraordinary relationships actually face conflict and function on forgiveness. Extraordinary relationships go, no, you know what? I love you enough to tell you the truth. Or I love you enough to say that I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? They function on the currency of forgiveness. Ordinary relationships tend to fill our schedules while extraordinary relationships have the potential to fill our soul to very different things. Ordinary relationships come and go, but it's extraordinary relationships that are actually built over time. They take time and work. And in our culture, where everything is so fast, we expect that we can microwave extraordinary relationships. And you just can't. They are intentionally built over time. At great risk, lots of times. At great sacrifice, lots of times. They take work. But that is what God has created you for extraordinary relationships. Not this surfacey stuff. Deep, life-giving relationships. Now, it's one thing for me to say that to you, to tell you about that, to open God's word and look that we are created from relationship, for relationship. It's another thing to actually see it played out. And one of the guys around our church that I love and respect deeply is my friend Eric Connor. And Eric is a guy who is living this out. And I'm so thankful that he and his wife, Rachel, are actually the folks that have been entrusted or in charge to, 
to lead our small group and all of our kind of growth strategy and all that kind of stuff for our church. And so I want Eric to come up if he would right now, because I want you to hear, like in real time, what a real life story of someone committed to this work of moving from ordinary relationships to extraordinary relationships like God designed and desires for us to have, what that actually looks like. So uh, can you welcome my friend Eric Connor? He's right here. Here he is. Hello. Thank you, Jared. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's a nice table here. Thank you. I I built it myself. Yes. Uh, So growing up, and Eric and I have obviously talked about this, but I want you to hear some of his story because I think it's really important what God has been doing in his life and how God is now using that to lead our church. Uh, Growing up, for you in your life, where would you say kind of the scales fell? More on ordinary relationships or extraordinary relationships? Yeah, I I think growing up, um, even up really into my 20s, I think the majority of my relationships were ordinary. And I, I want to preface that by saying they, um, they were great, um, but I think some, at an early age, we kind of moved households and moved schools, and I think I had a few incidents where I kind of got burned by sharing stuff about myself. And I learned somewhere along the lines, like, why do I take those risks? Be the chameleon, be the guy that everyone kind of like knows and know how to be with them. So as a result, I grew, up, I grew up and I had a lot of friends, but I realized that there weren't a lot of friends that really knew me struggles, ugly, all that stuff. So if that was the case then, and I, obviously I know your story, when was it that that changed for you? You said, you know what, I want something like more than this. I want, you know, for the language we're using tonight, I want to have more extraordinary relationships. Did that just happen overnight? Was that something that just, you know, you're still trying to figure out? When did that happen for you? Yeah, I am, um, you know, I credit my wife with a lot of this. I met her about six years ago, um, and uh, she was... Uh, in counseling at the time with a fantastic person, and she said, I can bring that up. I, everything runs fine by my wife. Okay, um, smart, smart. So, but she asked me to, to, to go with her to a session. Initially, I went just to support her because clearly I would, had nothing to work no, out. No, there's no. So You're, you were good. I was once again sacrificial right. towards my future wife. Again, a lot to learn, um, lots yeah. to learn. So, but I went to, it took one session and a couple of pointed questions, and I realized that there was, you know what, there were some things I could look at inside myself. And so I kind of entered into this period in my life of a lot of self-exploration, both my past, my present, and my future. Um, And in the course of that, I got involved in a group that met together weekly to talk about some really deep things going on in our lives. Um, And I got to know a few guys in that group, and they through the course of many months, knew me inside and out. Um, They knew my deepest, darkest fears and knew the parts of me that were really not put together. Um, And the whole time, we just became better friends. And I don't want to say these are guys, it was only that. These are the same guys that I could could go out and I could could watch a football game with. We would die laughing together, but I could call them at three in the morning if I had to, if my world was falling apart and they would do anything for me. And that's when I realized at that point, these are the kinds of friends I want to try to build into my life. So that's, I think that's great. So what has that process been like then for you to sort of, like you said, build these type of relationships into your life? What, mm-hmm. what, what have you sort of done to facilitate that process? Yeah, well, it's, you know, I, I thought you brought up a lot of good points. It's, it's tough. I mean, it is, as you get older, it's tough. You kind of have to be intentional. I mean, I still have those friends from that period of my life, but I think a lot of things we talked about is, it's being intentional. It's, it's for me, I have to make an effort to spend time with people, to get to know them, 
um, and to try to, to, kind of, to kind of build those friendships. But it is risky, and it, it can feel you know, uncomfortable at times. And you know, some guys, are, we're gonna just be kind of buddies, right. and that's great. Other yeah. guys, we might go a little bit deeper, but it's, you know, it takes some time, it takes some risks, and you have to be willing to, to make, take, take that first step to be like, hey, let's you know, talk about some things that are going on. Yeah, and one of the things I love, just so you guys know, I mean, Eric and I are in that process of becoming those kinds of friends to each other. I mean, that really has been something that early on I was like, you know, I, man, I like this guy. We can keep kind of things on the surface. Or we've had a couple lunches, one in a very nice Cuban place, mm-hmm. where we're like, you know what, let's, let's start to build that kind of, let's take those risks. Let's put in some of that work. And um, I would love for you to share, because you know, I think we have so many people who are very new to this church and very new to church in general. How is it then that the journey that you've been on for the last five or six years to have these types of extraordinary, to, to be an extraordinary friend, how is what you do here at Soul City play into that? Yeah. Well, you know, kind of through God's providence, uh, you know, I didn't know Jarrett six months ago, uh, or, or Jeannie for that matter. Um, but we, got, we met up and we had dinner, and we started talking about relationships. And one of the things that really drew me to Soul City is there's a focus here on all kinds of relationships with ourselves, with God, and with each other. Um, and that's my passion. That's my wife's passion, too. I don't ever want someone at Soul City to be in a small group where it's a waste of their time. Yeah. I want them to feel like they walk away from a, a group kind of refreshed, kind of like, wow, like I, I feel a little bit different. And, and we have nine groups right now, and, and it's, kind of, it's already happening in yeah. a lot of groups. And so, so that's kind of what we want to bring here is, again, not pushing too fast, but just helping people to say, hey, Groups might be a great next step. You talk about people come in the city and they go, well, where, where do you get plugged in? If you're at Soul City, a great next step is to join a group. The high likelihood you can start to build those relationships just by joining a group. That didn't sound a thing like an infomercial. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. The cool thing is Eric talks about it. When I, we can talk about it here. I mean, the reality is, is I'm in a Tuesday night couples group. I mean, we're, I mean you know, we're here. Like several of us are a part of that group are here tonight. And, and it's like, it's just what you said. It's like, it's not like all of a sudden we're like, okay, share the worst part of your spouse's life, or you know, anything like that. Like, we're taking steps to, hopefully, you, you don't. No, you we should do, do that. that. Yeah, you should. I should never do that. Jeannie doesn't have any bad parts, but um, like that is exactly what you just said, Eric. And I love that our church, before we ever opened our doors on like Sundays, we're already committing to to growing together in the context context of these types of small groups and relationships. And, yeah. and honestly, I mean, we say it a lot around here. Eric's exactly right. One of the best ways, if you're new to the city or new to Soul City Church, is to check out one of our groups, and we have all that information outside. You'll be out in the lobby afterwards. Absolutely. So. Love to talk so. to you. Yeah. Okay. That's Eric. Can you thank Eric for coming? Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. So, I mean, that's really it. What, and, and I think you kind of get where we're going here, is that... Um, you are actually created by an extraordinary God to have extraordinary relationships. It, it's, it, it's, um, to God, it's normal. Like, to us, it's the exception lots of times. Like, you know, many of us would say our st- story is very much like Eric's. Like, yeah, I kind of wanted it. I, just, I thought I was good or I didn't know, but I, I, I sort of have that longing. And the crazy thing is when you're in a relationship with God, it's normal to God that you should have deep, meaningful, significant companion, partnership, deliverer kind of relationships. That's actually normal. And we want to do everything we can around here to help facilitate in that process. Now, for some of you, you that's like, yep, I get it. I want to be part of that. For some of you, that's going to take some risk and some pretty big next steps, right? But you have to know. You have to know. 
that if you are going to live with that kind of extraordinary life, with those kinds of extraordinary relationships, it's going to take some risk. You're going to have to like sign up for a group. You're going to have to have an intentional conversation with someone. This is, it doesn't just happen. You know, if it did, then we wouldn't be talking about this tonight. That's going to take some work on your part. That's not always easy, right? I've been in a small group before, uh, several, many small groups. I've been in some that were awful. Like some of them I was leading and they were awful. <laughs> I mean, like really off course, just bad, right? So it's going to take work and it's going to take time. And just because you kind of show up here once or twice and go, oh, then it should all be happening. No, it doesn't. It takes work and time. But our hope is that no one would ever come across Soul City Church, whether on Sunday or any other day of the week, and walk into that space lonely and walk out lonelier. We have not done what God has put us here in the city to do if that happens. If you come here tonight feeling what we all feel, alone or, or, or some level, just that desire in those type of relationships, and you walk out of here feeling lonelier or like there's no next step for you, then we have missed at what God has put us here as a church to do. We want to do everything we can to give you opportunity, to point you back to Jesus, to say that no, actually growth and extraordinary life and extraordinary relationships are normal when you're in a relationship with an extraordinary God. That's actually normal. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually commit to doing that this week. Now, for some of you, the best thing to do is to walk out to the lobby when we're done here in a minute and, and sign up to be part of a, a group and, and join our many small groups, and they're great. They're phenomenal. But one of the things I want you to consider, all of us doing actually, is a little homework. And you know, this weekend, this Thursday is Thanksgiving, and a lot of us are going to go back and be in relationship, maybe with family or with friends or people we hang out with. You know, there's a lot of us here at Soul City Church that live in the city that don't have anywhere to go for this Thanksgiving. And a lot of folks around here are figuring out how to kind of do new ways of thanks, you know, like doing Thanksgiving differently as friends and not always doing the family stuff. And so, you know, there's lots of ways for you to kind of get connected if you have nowhere to go this Thanksgiving. But here's what I want to challenge you to do, we want to challenge you to do, is over the course of this next week, especially when you're around either the Thanksgiving thing or with family, is we want to challenge you to have an intentional conversation with a friend and ask them to tell you their story. I'm really serious. Is over the course of next week, when we gather back together in this space next week, next Sunday night, that you will have with one of your friends intentionally ask them to tell their story, and here's the crazy part, that you'll actually listen to them when they tell it. Because so many of us, when it comes to our friends, we think we know them, but really, if we're honest, we just know the bullet points. Oh, where they're from. Oh, your parents got divorced and you're a teenager. Okay, you just moved to the city three months ago. For a lot of us, we think we understand each other just by understanding the bullet points. What we want to do as a church is actually have some intentional conversations and move our relationships from ordinary to extraordinary like God designed and desires for us. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. We're asking you to do this week is to hear someone's story, to ask good questions, to listen. And if you go to coffee with me or have lunch with me, you know that it's only a matter of minutes till I ask you to tell me your story. Because I want to I know you a little bit more and I want to see where God has been at work in your life. Again, you don't have to be a Christian to do this. I want to challenge you. We want to challenge you as a church for all of us to do that over the course of this week. One friend. Now again, make it a friend. Don't make it a stranger, because that's weird. <laughs> and if you do it with a stranger, don't say Soul City Church, okay? <laughs> we don't want to be the creepy church in town, okay? But you have some friends, or maybe it's even a family member that you thought you knew, 
And over the course of this week, as we have a special opportunity over Thanksgiving and some time off, we want to challenge every one of us to have that kind of conversation and say, you know, can you tell me your story? I want to hear, I want to know, I want to see where God has actually been at work in your life. Can we agree to do that over the course of this week? My hunch is, as you do that, my hunch is that relationship will move just a few degrees closer to extraordinary. That may not change overnight, but my hunch is you doing that will move that relationship a few more degrees closer to extraordinary, to what God actually designed and desires for you to have. A few months back, we were, I was meeting with one of our um, board of advisors. We have a board of advisors for our church, and uh, several of them live in Atlanta, and so I was down in Atlanta doing some work for the company I work for down there, and we were having coffee very early in the morning, and I was meeting with this guy, John, and he's a very brash gruff kind of guy. You know, he just tells you exactly what he's thinking. And if, and if you don't know what he's thinking, I mean, just give him a second. He'll tell you. And then he'll tell you what to think very quickly. And I, we love him. He's been a huge help to our church. And so this is several months back, and I was telling him just kind of how things were going and telling him about our church. This is before we had this space, before any of this. And I'm in the middle of kind of giving him the numbers and trying to get some ideas from him, some wisdom from him. And he literally stops in the midst and he goes, that, 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 that. He goes, stop. I'm like, okay. He goes, look, look. Who are your three friends? Uh, well, is this a trick question? I don't know. He's like, I just need you to tell me right now who are three good friends that you have right now. And I'll be really honest. It was hard for me because it took me a minute to come up with one. And I have a great friend, a close friend. He lives in Orlando. And this is, we just moved to the city and, and we were just kind of getting this church off the ground. And I remember just kind of stumbling and fumbling going, uh, I think, well, this guy kind of maybe is becoming, and he goes, look, the work that you're doing, starting the church, it's hard work, but it doesn't have to be lonely. You need some friends that'll stand with you, win or lose, that stand with you no matter what. That no matter what kind of day or week you've had, you've got those friends in your pocket and you are that kind of friend for them. And he's looking at me telling me this, and it's hard for me not to tear up because I know how badly I want that for my life. And his words are no different than what God uttered in Genesis 2. Life is hard. It can be hard. It doesn't have to be lonely. God has designed and desired you for extraordinary relationships, and we want that to be normal around our church. So much so that when people come into contact with you, it's different from everything else around them. That our church is known as a loving and accepting place where everyone's accepted, but everyone is expected to grow. That's normal. Now, when people, when the name Soul City Church, when God comes up in the conversation with people you know, they're like, you know what? There's something different about that way that person listens to me, cares about me. There's something special. That's the kind of church that we are committed to being here in the city. And it starts when you take a risk to move from ordinary to extraordinary in your relationships. So let me pray for you, for us, for that, for the homework we all have this week. And then, you know, we'll be done with this time cafe is open, all kinds of stuff for you to check out. And if you're new here, we would love to talk with you and help you take whatever next step we can, okay? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for how extraordinary you are. And God, thank you that you've actually created us to live extraordinary lives as well. We thank you, God, that you are already in relationship and have created us for relationship, not only with you, but with others in this life. And God, we want those to be as extraordinary as you are, to point back to you, to draw us closer to you, 
God, we long for that. We want that. And so help us, God, to have the risk, the courage, the perseverance, God, to build those kinds of relationships in our life and around this church. And God, we pray as we are listening to other people's stories this week that we would get a sense of your presence, that we would know that you are there and we're already at work in their story and maybe God are writing a new chapter for the story of that friendship. We know that you can, God. And so we pray, God, that you would in our lives, in this church, throughout this week. We pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming next week. We conclude with No Ordinary Life. We pray that God's love and grace would wreck your ordinary life and relationships this week. We're so glad that you're here. We'll see you guys back next week. Cool? All right, thank you guys so much for coming. Cafe's open, lobby's open. We'll see you guys around.